Alright everybody, welcome to the first edition of the Quarcasts. That's right, this is the Carcast on hiatus, so we're not going to keep counting with the same numbers. So this will be episode one. It is Friday, March 27th, 2020. I'm Owen Newkirk, and from my house to his, he's Sean Shapiro. Hi Sean. Hey Owen, how are you? I'm doing as well as can be expected considering our circumstances. Um... I enjoyed our intro pick because I do wish you were here and we were in a car driving because that would be back to normal. But uh, I guess that's sort of what our situation is for the moment, isn't it? Yeah, this is weird, isn't it? It's uh, This whole thing is weird, not just for us, for the whole world right now. I mean, I think right before we started, what, your kids were going are going to school in the other room right now? Is yep. that, yeah. How does that work? <laughs> so in our first segment today we're going to talk a little bit about what we're doing so let's just jump right into it we have okay. some other things to do later but yeah so i have my fourth grader and my second grader doing what they call e-learning or remote learning through their uh, elementary school in frisco isd and you know what it's week two right we are now two weeks in a day beyond when the nhl season put their pause which was back on thursday march 12th that was the day that we were anticipating the Stars playing the Florida Panthers at home and trying to snap a six-game winless streak. We'll get more into that in a minute. But, yeah, you know what? Actually, considering how quickly they slapped it together, I mean, the, my kids were on spring break the week that this all went pause. And so the school district really quickly ramped everything up, did a week of sort of like a, a beta test uh, last week, and then... I have been adding and changing things and uh, and doing what we're doing. They're doing FaceTimes or Zooms or Google Hangs and uh, having these class interactions every now and then. So there's some social aspect because obviously a lot of it is very much isolated because of the circumstances. So is it are, there, are they still with their like te- with their teacher and everything like oh, that? Yeah. Like okay. so they get a weekly lesson plan and it doles out what they have to do Monday through Friday. Plus, they have certain assignments they have to turn in, and they use uh, this interactive app that they've been using for years at, at the school called Seesaw. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with that or not, but it, al- not. it allows them to post to various aspects of their class or their school with their teacher's approval, and then parents and relatives can be approved by the teacher so then they can see this sort of cumulative journal. Well, they're actually using that as a way of sending in assignments or you know, just random things of, hey, I painted this picture for art class or I'm going outside to take uh, perspective pictures of something and I can upload it through that. It's been pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting. That's kind of cool that they have all that stuff in place now, I guess, right? And and how quickly it came together because it wasn't, I mean, maybe somebody in the administration had inklings that this was possible and started putting things around, but boy... um, Really, all things considered, they've done a fairly decent job of it. Now, look, it's not the same as being in class from 7.45 until 3 o'clock. And so I think there may be a little bit of, you know, it's not quite as extensive. And it's probably hard to do some things when the teacher's not actually present. But, I mean, Mike, I've heard a lot of parents talking about uh, getting into <laughs> spats or arguments with their kids because their kids hate it or they're not enjoying this and that and I've been really fortunate that my two boys, for the most part, have been really just champs about this. So it, it but that's you know, you ask if if you ask me the question, what have you been up to? 
besides the first dog barking, and that's my 10-year-old who is taking a brain break, just came leaping in, and my youngest of four dogs flipped out because he didn't know what was going on and thought it was a challenge to a bark-off. So, all right, so... We're going to get a little bit, um, what's the word, uh, distracted Dishev- here? Disheveled? Yeah. So, Sean has a toddler who I'm sure does not like to keep her th- opinions to herself. And yeah, I'm I sure have, she'll make an appearance at some point. I have four wiener dogs. That's right. We have four miniature dachshunds and two kids. So, the chances of no sound outside of car noises and smells from our old style, I think, is no. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to happen at some point. But I was well, saying, uh, I've, I've basically been a, a homeschool teacher as a side gig here compared to yeah. what I was. What about you? Because I, I have more to talk about, but I don't want to just monopolize <laughs> this. So what's, yeah. uh, what's the writer's world? Because you went from being concerned about suddenly having limited player access in the locker rooms to a lot less access. Yeah, well, I mean, we're at a, it's a real interesting spot, too, because just where I'm at, personally, my wife is still working right now. Christina is still working uh, Monday through Thursday from she, – she, she already worked from home, so she's working from 7 to uh, seven to 6 already Monday through Thursday. And so from 7 to 6 Monday through Thursday, I'm essentially just on full-time dad duty for a toddler. and. <laughs> We're at the point where there's like there's a couple things where like she'll be coloring or we can the time we put on a movie and I can check my phone at times like that. But in general, it's kind of just been following her around all day and hanging out with Evie all day, just because uh, that's that's the age she's at. Um, and even even the even a couple of the things where it's been. Even if you try to say like, oh, there's been a couple of times I've been able to get some phone interviews done with people and things like that. But a lot of that's just been done kind of uh, through planning through doing it during nap time or <laughs> doing it at uh, or there's been a couple of times where maybe uh, Christina's had a has, is done with her meetings for the day. So Evie could go upstairs with her in her office for a little bit while I make a phone call. So it's been uh it's been kind of a learning curve. Um, the thing that the thing that I will say, and I texted you about this the other day, is I really miss having a basement. I'm not. I, I would love to have a basement right yes. now. Yes. Um, because with with Christina's job, she has usually about two or three meetings a day on the phone, and the meetings with outside clients that aren't with someone internal. Because obviously, internally, they all know. Like, okay, we're all dealing with. There's people. We got our kids home, um, of course. but the people, people that the outside. So just trying to run around and keep the, and help keep Evie quiet during phone calls is, is a challenge. Um, we go for, we'll try to take walks around the, uh, block. She actually fell asleep at the wheel of her car yesterday. I saw was... your Instagram video <laughs> yep. of that. It reminded so... me of my own kids falling asleep in the, uh, we used to have one of those stationary jumperoos. Yeah. It was the little sort of circular seat with these elastic straps on either side, like the little bungee cords where they could bounce in, you know, when they're not quite at the age where they can stand up yet. So uh-huh. it got to the point where there would be they would jump themselves to sleep and then just yeah. the worst though, Sean, and in the category of too much information was there were a couple of times where there was a diaper blowout in the jumperoo oh. and yeah. You oh. you grow up as a parent very quickly, don't you? Yeah, 
Yeah, that was the first time I've ever had the fall asleep at the wheel of her car. She really <laughs> likes her car. Um, she. The other thing that I, I hey never it gives realized... you a, a new healthy respect for the endurance for uh, race car drivers that have to do four or five hundred <laughs> miles. I mean, it's you can fall asleep to the drone of the engine. So I, yeah. Evie felt realized that she's got some training to do. Yes. <laughs> That reminds me. That reminds me. One of the one of the the minor casualties, and this is just a funny anecdote. One of the minor casualties of this whole season being paused and canceled is I still have forty five minutes left in Ford versus Ferrari because I've been watching it on uh, I've been watching it on pl- on flights on American Airlines, and <laughs> so I have I had watched I had gotten through because it's a long movie and I had gotten through. Is it good I'd so watched, far? Because I want to watch it. It's been good so far. Okay. I watched it. I watched. Uh, I had watched part of it. Let's see. I had caught some of the end of. I had watched some of it on the way back from Nashville. No, on the way to Nashville, um, which was our last road trip. And I had, before that, I had also watched it on the prior road trip to that. Would have been. My God, when would that have been? Um, oh, for, on the way back from uh, Boston. Which is a uh, so I, I watched I, I first first watched part of it on the way back from Boston, then watched some uh, on the way to Nashville, and I planned to finish it. I planned to finish it on March fifteenth or whatever. I had a flight, an evening flight planned to Arizona. I planned to finish the movie, so I still don't know what happens in the final forty-five minutes of Ford versus Ferrari, and That's I don't awesome. want to pay to. I, I don't want to. I don't want to pay to watch it. Right. So, so for those listening, that go, Sean, why don't you just buy the movie? I've actually had this experience before. Um, I think it was, it was the first Iron Man movie, and it was not a new release. It was we were on a flight during the off season going to visit somebody, and I started watching it. And it was a, a race against the clock as the plane started to descend. And, you know, they shut it off after a certain time. And, and then I went, oh, my goodness, how am I going to get to watch Iron Man? Like, I'm going to have to find it on TV or have to go fly somewhere. Obviously, nowadays, you can just usually on iTunes or, or Amazon buy, a, you know, like rent just about anything. Yeah. But the idea is to try to do it without the extra expenditure. Now... You know, if we get into that, uh, what the ticket calls the tier one status, then maybe the salary is such that you uh, you can throw four or five bucks at a rental without scoffing at it, right? Yeah. By I the mean, way, I mean, if you hear angry growling in the background, it's the two younger dachshunds wrestling because they felt I, now's the appropriate time to make as much noise as possible. I'll show Sean because he can yes. see it. They're, oh, yeah. They think it's hey, funny. <laughs> The, uh, it will be interesting to see how far eventually though I was thinking about this eventually it'll get to the point where if this if we are in a long haul like this uh, eventually get to the point where it'll have been so long since I saw the first two-thirds of the movie that I may as well <laughs> just I may as well just Start rent over. the whole thing right yes. and so <laughs> if it weren't for the strict rules of social distancing which we're both following to a T I would say we should rent it together because we haven't seen it. And I know my kids would love it because they're big into to fancy cars and stuff like that. Um, pulling it back around, my thought on this, Sean, was just that this feels, for me, aside from the normalcy of an offseason where I would go play recreational pickup soccer or skate the Seve Nooner or play in a beer league, you know, hockey league during the summer or go hit some tennis balls or play golf or something 
Aside from that interaction, this essentially feels to me like the hockey summer, the off season. Is that sort of similar? You know, being around, having the kids around, having a lot more free time. Yes and no, because I think there's there's a hockey off season that I'm used to, where there's a there's a hockey off season, there's a hockey summer where we know of certain things that we can kind of count down to of sure. like we know, we know, we know when a team gets knocked out of the playoffs, whenever that is. Okay. We know we'll have June, uh, usually June 23rd, 24th. We'll have the draft and awards and everything. Right, like you that. don't know now. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. July 1st, we know, okay, Hey, we've got a couple weeks until, free agency starts and all of that stuff has now been well free agency hasn't been delayed yet but um the draft and the awards and the scouting combine have all been delayed already and so it's kind of weird where it's just like we're kind of in this holding pattern where we don't know what or when the next development will be i mean as of right now we're kind of in this spot where I think it was, uh, I mean, I know the NBA is, NBA and NHL, I think, are probably going to work hand in hand on when they both come back. And so I, I know Mark Cuban said he would take the, said if you set June 1st as the over-under, he would take the under, which is a positive thing to hear. It's encouraging, but I don't know if but we should read too yeah. much into it. Right. But it's also the, the people who, the people who, but all of these people who are in charge of sports, as much as, they want to have ideas for when this all of this kind of depends on people at a much higher decision level. Right, that's and that's like, the hard part is that yeah. we've you know I've read stuff that you and your colleagues have written that other members of the national NHL media, I, I should say international because it's U.S. Yeah. and Canada that that cover it on a, on a national stage, and there's all sorts of hints of hey in this conversation the GMs or the owners meeting got together and they discussed. There's contingencies that have been discussed based on the reporting, but there's yeah. nothing concrete because nobody has any firm idea or even partially firm idea of what could be the starting point because it's too fluid. So yeah. it's, to me, it's almost like when we first said, hey, two years out from Vegas coming into the league as an expansion, let's do an expansion draft and see what we have. And you go, we can't because there's so many variables that yeah. we don't even know which players are going to be available or unprotected, blah, 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 blah. That's kind of where we're at now is that we don't know when the league would restart because we don't know when it's going to be safe to have social distancing measures relaxed. And anybody who says they think they can, you know, de de declare it'll be by this time, you just don't know yet and have to wait for this to play out. But I do think some of the ideas are interesting that have been floated in the media and who knows how much of that has been official but even unofficially so even if these are completely fabrications by members of the media it's still fun to think about of a, a short training camp sort of season uh, you know let everybody plays to 75 games instead of 82 or no no that no regular season let's go to an expanded playoff if they are going to play Sean cuz I could definitely see a scenario and I don't want to sound doom and gloom but I could see a scenario where there is no season, no Stanley Cup, yeah. and they're just hopeful to start 2021 on time. But if they don't, if they have a chance to play it in some fashion, is this not the perfect time for them to mess around with some alternative structures just for the sake of what's already been screwed up? Let's see whether this, let's test something out. 
Yeah, no, I think it is. It, 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 and a lot of those ideas are fun. I like the idea of personally, I don't, I don't think playing regular season games makes any sense because like, for example, you don't need the Detroit Red Wings to come back to play three games. Like they're like, just like teams like that. Right. So um, my question is yeah. to you, how do you draw that line? Where is the demarcation point for who doesn't have a shot and everybody else? Cause there are teams that would be on the bubble. that would be pretty upset not to have a chance to fight for that in. For me, I mean, obviously the timing of when this all kicks off would be, be, be paramount, but right. I think, I, I think I would be okay with you do you have tw- 24 teams, you have the top eight get a bye to the real first round, mm-hmm. and then you have, and then you have uh, eight, then you have, basically you have, let's see, whether, whether we do this by conference, well, I'm not uh, sure whether you do it by conference or, le- or, or league-wide, but essentially you're going to have those teams that are in, uh, those teams that are 9 through 16 playing 17 through 24 in a best of three. I think that's what right. you do. You play, play a best of three, and then you do go into a first round that's best of five, and then we go best of seven from there. I think that's kind of the – is, is, it, is it perfect? No, but I think it's a way where at least those teams that were on the bubble get their chance in their own hands. What and you, I think – What do you think about I, that play-in idea, the ones where you have a two-game series at the higher seed – this would be like a, a, a 10 9 or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. where instead of doing total goals it's you win the first one the other team has to win the second one and if they do that then you go to overtime in the second game or something i i i like i don't know if i like that format perfectly but i like it better than hey it's a 6-1 blowout in the first one the second game doesn't really matter you know the aggregate goals i don't know if i like for hockey yeah i don't know i don't i don't i but i also don't you know um, I do like the idea of I do like the idea of just putting in, in this in a spot where the teams that are in right now, say nine through sixteen, okay. Um, I I do like the idea of them getting this entire thing at home, just because I don't I think that will speed this up. Like that way we don't need a travel day, and that way you don't need to worry about travel with it and everything like that. I do I do think there's some value in that. So you ready um, for this? Okay. I just pulled up the standings since you mentioned 24 teams. Yeah. Let's let's play with the conference hypothesis first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you want to do top four from each conference, so that would be eight teams get a bye. Mm-hmm. That would be the top one, two, three, four seeds. And then you'd have five through 12 in each conference play each other. Five, 12, six plays 11, yep. seven, 10, et cetera. And the winners of that series go on to form the eight teams in the conference. Guess yeah. who the Stars play in the first round because they, they are the fifth seed right now. Even though they have two games in hand on Edmonton, they're one point behind the Oilers. Again, not really fair because we're talking about differences in game number of games played. The Stars would host the Chicago Blackhawks in the play-in round as the 5-12 matchup. How about That'd that? Fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, but there are some Stars fans out there that don't want to see the Star- see Dallas play Chicago and have to deal with Blackhawks fans. Yeah, but they, I mean, it would be it's 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 fun. It's weird. Let's do it. Like, you I mean you were the better team for that long, and you get home ice for that. Take advantage of it. Right? Would you do, play best of three, or just do the uh, two and off? I like best of three personally because I think there's the I don't I don't like the integrity of. I think at least best of three, it's truly 
I think you're getting a better chance of the better team winning and the better team has better odds. I think the my issue with uh, the, the format where you do two games in overtime is say you are the better team for – say you your team and my team are playing and you're the better team for both games, but your goaltender steals game two and overtime. Happens I, all I, the time. I, I, I don't – but I think at least having a game three do or die – I think that's more fair. Personally, I, agree. I don't. I, I don't like the two games where let's go to a weird overtime if, and then restart. If because what happens? So what happens? Here's my other issue with that is just thinking about it. Like game, say you win game one, I'm winning game two, six nothing. Do I and 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 it's and it's six nothing going into the third period. Do I, I put in my backup goalie so you don't run my starter? Like I just just random. Like I'm just like like it's sure. like I mean, I, I, it, it could always be that possibility. Sure. Yeah. It's also the I reason did. why I have a hard time with you know like a one game play in because you play 82 games mm-hmm. and then get knocked out in one game. But at the same time, the other argument, just like with baseball's wild card rounds, is if you want to avoid that. Win more games in 82. Be a better regular yeah. season team. I think, ultimately, I think what we're both hoping for is that there is some sort of playoff hockey, even if it's throughout the summer. I mean, it's yeah. weird, but I'd be okay with it. I don't know if the the players would be that upset. I, I can't speak for the players, but do you think... This will be our last idea before we get to our next segment. Do you think the players who are not allowed to skate right now, the, no team facilities, they've actually pushed it back until... Uh, April 4th at the earliest, and that may extend even farther than that. Do you think they want to play the rest of this season, or do you think there's a section or a majority of players that would rather just have their summer training and start anew? The players I've talked to and just kind of doing some of my own just canvassing of talking to players in the past two weeks is they there's just more of people – players want – more of a defined timeline like they want to be able to they want to be able to go and say okay if we're going to come back in july that's fine let us treat this let us treat april like an off season right let us, like like let us have because what they don't want is they don't want it to a point of being oh i have to kind of and now players work out the entire summer now so that's not this isn't an issue like it would be like in the 90s or the early 2000s right How, However, the players want to want kind of the can I go when do I go into off season mode when because there's different types of training like for example a lot of goalies don't skate for a couple months on purpose right it's, it's, like, it's targeted it's, and focused on how you peak yeah. your body to certain things yeah. and you know I remember talking to Tyler Sagan about this a couple years ago he, when he does his summer training he has different phases and like yeah. one of his phases is rest and recovery and he does a ton of stretching all the time but he said specifically that then he does heavy weights at a certain phase i mean it's all about a progression and not having a time look we all want a timeline nobody has yeah. it right now but yeah. you know but for that re- but, I, I do but think- what happens Sean if they said okay we're going to cancel the season and then things improve and they go oh we didn't have to do that they're leaving their options open, even though we know that April 4th isn't going to be the date that everything goes back to normal. Correct. I mean, the other thing, the one thing that's just kind of a, and I, and I'm, I don't have insight in this just, but reading, and this is just me kind of putting two and two together. One thing that happened in the last two weeks that actually was good for the NHL potentially coming back in the late summer, which is, and this is going to sound weird, but it's true. 
was NBC was uh, the Olympics getting kicked back a year? Ah, good because, point. Right, they're because they're going to be stars for content. So NBC, obviously, NBC is the rights holder for the NHL, and um, right now, hmm. NBC. If if the NHL was going to play in August, just hypothetical, if the NHL played in August and the Olympics were going on in August, that's a that's a cluster that I don't know how you hand figure that programming out. Boy, can you imagine the. Uh... The the summer heat in August in Dallas, walking from the Silver Lot to the media entrance. Oh. Yeah. But we'll, you but, know what? We'll suffer. We'll suffer it for everybody. Yeah, no, but but my my yeah, <laughs> but my point on this is, as far as having an ally in, even if it's to say, hey, let's play without fans, let's do this or whatever. The NHL may have an ally in NBC and saying, hey, we we have this we have this window from July twentieth, I think twenty fifth to August fifteenth that all of our networks were committed to, all of them. Like, you think about the Olympics, MSNBC, CNBC, all of them it's are all the Olympics. It's all the Comcast's yeah. Regi- yeah. Uh, other networks, yeah, yeah. And so, all of a sudden, you may have an ally in NBC saying, hey, how can we make this work? Because we want to put, we want your product to be our, to, to kind of lead us in this, in this time in August. So there could be, as weird as it sounds, the 2020 Olympics being held in 2021, and they're still using the 2020 name, which is fun, uh, uh, is going it's also to... the right thing to do, right? All yeah, the big events is. in the summer, whether it's the European Championships for soccer, the IIHF World Hockey Championships, it yep. all needed to be postponed. And the fact that they pushed the Olympics a year, it gives them a shot to actually have it. Because even if things started to calm down before July, the idea of bringing athletes from every country in the world to one spot yeah. it, amidst all this is insane. So, of yeah. course, I, I get, like, they were trying to cling to it because there's sponsorship money and there's planning and economic influence, but fortunately, cooler heads prevailed on this. Yeah, and, and Tokyo's still getting the Olympics. and Which is what like they should have. Yeah, and just like how, for example, the NHL has already come out and said Montreal will still get a draft sometime soon, even though they were going to host it this year. So, uh, But I just, I mean, just something to keep an eye on. If, if it gets to the point where, hey, we could play, we could have sports... The NHL will have an ally in NBC and saying, "Hey, let's do this. We 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 uh, we need programming, and uh, we definitely." And NBC has obviously given the NHL a lot of money to also kind of that that doesn't hurt either. All right, so. so we haven't touched much about what we've done personally here during the the quarantine time, and the reason why is because we have a lightning round later on where we're yep. going to have a lot of those questions. But yes. up next here in the Quarcast, episode one of the Quarcast, Sean and I are going to revisit the Winter Classic. In segment two of our first episode of the Quarcast, which is just rolling off the tongue, we decided to start a new segment, which is reviewing a classic Stars game of the past each week. Now, Sean, I know this sounds a little bit literal, but the first one we're going to do is, in fact, the classic of classics. Yeah. One thing we should do, just as far as just going forward... I mean, this one is this one worked out well because I know a lot of people watched it already this week, and it was on NBC. Uh, 
But maybe one thing we should do is we should try and figure that out a little bit earlier in the week, and then we can kind of put oh, it out. Oh, let people watch. Yeah, because I'm not sure if uh, maybe there's a listener element where maybe you'd like to watch that and before listening to this and, 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 and for what it's worth. Why not? So, I think that's a great yeah. idea. Um, so. Should we... Should we then do that for next week, or do you want to wait and put that on on Twitter? Because we have an idea of what one we want to do for next week. Yeah, um, let's. Well, we can figure it out too, though, because there's also we have an idea for next week, but we also can kick other ideas around. That's too, a good point. So. Maybe there's a better idea. So, okay, yeah. so we'll keep an eye on your Twitter, uh, for our, our Twitter, I should say, because we'll talk about what we're going to do and when and and which game we might watch before next week's. Quarkast, which uh, Friday seems to be a good day for us right now. Yeah, Fridays are good. So we'll Fridays probably keep that for, for the short term until further notice. We, we reserve the right to change that at any possible moment. Yeah. All right, so the Classic game is indeed the Winter Classic from January 1st of 2020. Sean, it has been two, almost three full months now since that happened. It feels like it's been a full year, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it felt like... I mean, the last two weeks have felt like a full year, right? I know. I mean, <laughs> like, January 1st I mean, seems like a lifetime ago. It was still less than three months ago. Yeah. Three months ago, uh, crazy when you look back at that game and you think about how it's it just kind of even that whole stretch was crazy just to go from Jan- – I mean, I think even – by late January, it felt like the Winter Classic had been three months. Ago. Yeah, like this whole this whole season has felt. Um, Welcome to the whole, Dallas Stars beat. Yes, exactly. This whole season has been. <laughs> I, it's amazing. It's amazing to look at the Dallas Stars this year, and I just think to with all of the chaotic moments and the craziness of the 2018-19 season, right? And then to say that the 2019-20 season was more crazy, no one would believe you going into that year. No, (laughs) no. I mean, we have, this is getting a bit off topic, but you're right. Hitch coming back for (laughs) 17-18. Oh, there's the, the next dog howl. Uh, but Hitch coming back for 17-18 and the team looking like a playoff team and then having the collapse, which we started talking about because of the six-game winless run right before the season pause this year started to make sort of people remember March of two years ago, which and not in a good way. And mm-hmm. then Jim Montgomery was hired and the culture of mediocrity and the horse potatoes, or as we like to say it in the business, horse hockey – Uh, that happened and then this year i mean it has been a progression of drama that i mean yeah it's been an interesting place to be a stars fan that's for sure so let's i mean to take it back to the winter classic and just kind of going back to that yes keep me focused sean i am a digression machine yes yes. um and a lot of the times we'll talk about the the classic game and i think but I think this one is more important than anything to just kind of go back to the atmosphere of it just to start. Because I think there have been other great games, there have been other, even playoff games, but nothing nothing in Stars history has kind of had the one-off buildup of this, I think. You take a look at it, uh, even a playoff series and everything like that. A playoff series, there's 
win or lose, you don't know if the season's going to continue. This was such a, obviously, unique, we're building up to one day, we're going to build up to this one big event, we're going to set some records as far as stuffing people into a building, and... But it's just in the middle of the season. It's not like it's the it's 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 not like it's the end of the season. It's not like this is what we're all building up to. It's just kind of the rise. And okay, well, we're just going to continue from there. You know what the crazy thing is? Is that around the time, speaking of the drama, that your article came out, speaking with Star CEO Jim Lights, it was also getting ready to be announced that the Winter Classic was being awarded to Dallas. When that news came out about getting the Winter Classic, everybody's talking point was, well, we're hoping for about maybe 50, 60,000 fans. I don't know if we can sell this. Now fast forward a year and sold out 85,000 plus and you go, how did anybody doubt Dallas's ability to throw a big party? Yeah, I mean, it was all of the things that they originally used as kind of selling material that is it's a nice sentiment but you don't know if it's going to actually come through until the end everyone's like oh we're bringing the cotton bowl back to january 1st we're gonna we're gonna actually obviously because the cotton bowl game for people who don't know and i'm assuming this is really only people who might be listening that aren't football fans the cotton bowl game doesn't happen at the cotton bowl anymore so they brought the cotton bowl stadium back to january 1st for the first time and i think it was nine years or what was it? whatever the year they moved it was a while yeah. It had, yeah it's been at, yeah. uh it's been in arlington at jerry world for uh close to a decade i think at least yeah so it, there was that was a big selling point that got people involved um the fact that you had kind of this event where i think there's a lot of there's a lot of pride involved of hey we're gonna host this event and we're gonna show people we can bring a big event to dallas i think that's something also for the city of dallas that is kind of part of the culture here too we can do don't you also think that's partly to the fact that dallas being a southern market has Mm -hmm. always been lumped in with you know hockey in the south does it really work even if that's not really a a fair analogy because dallas has been a huge it's a huge major u.s media market it's obviously Mm -hmm. a massive sports town but because hockey is traditionally thought of as being a cold weather climate type place. And of course the Cowboys dominate the landscape down here. Like many, I mean, honestly the Cowboys dominate the Dallas sports landscape, just like the Toronto Maple Leafs dominate up in Ontario. So, but I think, I think that there have, and plenty of diehard Dallas stars fans have always felt that they haven't gotten maybe the respect around the league of being a true hockey market. Yeah. Well, and I I think the other thing, too, about this, too, was they picked the right venue uh, as far as it goes. Like, um, couldn't have been better. Cotton Bowl was great. And I know there were some people when this was really coming out, oh, would they do this at Jerry World and everything like that? And and I'll just say even even before it happened, this was even before we had the evidence of how great the event was. The idea of doing it at Jerry World always felt like, well, I mean, I obviously cover it, but. Like if I was if I didn't have my job if I was just a hockey fan in the Dallas if I was just a sports fan in the Dallas market if I didn't have my job where obviously I'd be there anyway I would have bought a ticket to the to the Winter Classic like if it if it had just been if I had been just a sports fan and didn't have my job right. I would have just and, like, and I, actually I did I we bought tickets yeah. for my wife and kids and my dad who came down from Maine to see it because even though they were expensive it was. 
this will never happen again. This is a, you know, yeah. maybe there's a chance to go to another outdoor game sometime, maybe, but not necessarily in Dallas. And afterwards, everybody said it was great. We should do it again and go, it's not going to happen in Dallas anytime soon. No, but and, and like, like, for example, my parents came down and Evie and Christina went. And so that, that, yes. was, that was great. And But and you so bought tickets of, for that because you knew it was going to be a once in a lifetime experience and, and it totally and proved it was. to be worth it. And it was, and I don't, my, my point back to the venue is I don't think I would have been, I don't think it's a point where I'm buying tickets for my parents, helping my parents buy tickets. And oh, if, 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 tickets my, if it goes it, to it, the Death Star. If it's, it's at the Death Star. And mm-hmm. I guess the, the other, the other big thing about this is obviously it was a big, there's 60,000 Stars fans there. The other big thing too, is you do have to give credit to where they picked the right opponent too. This oh, it was perfect. It was, it was a Nashville fan base that traveled really well. It was they, they lucked out obviously because obviously they picked the opponent before they ever played in the playoffs, but it worked out really well. I mean, it was everything kind of came together really well, and um, it was and it was great and, to have twenty thousand yeah. Preds fans in the building, not just for the the visibility of it because you could see the contrast of their yellow groups versus all the green. I mean, it was amazing to see all that victory green everywhere, and just think since the rebranding for the stars, how much that green has really caught on. And it's, yeah. it's, it hasn't been that long. It's been, what, six years, I think, since the Victory Green overhaul came in. And what a difference that looks. Six or seven years, I think. Yeah. Because uh, they were still wearing the old uniforms when I moved to Austin to work for the Texas Stars back in 2012. So yeah. it's been, in with it less than a decade... And I think so, it was twenty. I think it was twenty thirteen. Was, was it thirteen fourteen season? Uh, the year after the lockout. I think so. So anyway, I think so. The but that's really gr- taken hold. There was green everywhere. The the winter classic jerseys. The stars ones were look. The Preds were fine, but the stars ones were a home run. There were yeah. and and people bought them and they were everywhere. And then, but to me, you and I have experienced great college hockey experience. Uh, you know games. Growing up and seeing the 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 atmosphere of the student sections and the bands and what that does and I've been to some Frozen Fours before and having rival fans it's like college football and it's the closest thing that hockey has to a college football atmosphere which is having you know like at the Cotton Bowl having the Red River rivalry where you have Texas and OU literally split at the fifty yard line that's awesome and so it wasn't quite that fifty fifty but you know, as the game started, right, you have uh, Corey Perry getting thrown out right away. You have Matt Duchesne scoring on that power play. And then uh, Dante Fabro because it was a five-on-three. And and obviously that created a little bit of a mess. But because this all happened, then you hear a roar from Preds fans. And it got Stars fans going and back. I think that just added to the atmosphere. Yeah, it was, it was kind of... I mean, that first period, if you think about that game, it had absolutely, like, obviously the Corey Perry hit on uh, Ryan Ellis that led to the five-minute ejection. Kind of set the, the tone, five, didn't it? Yeah, set the tone. I mean, that first period, that's what a missed penalty shot in that first period, too. Yeah, that was Dennis Gurionov, and yeah. I thought he missed it, but then when you watch the replay, you can see that it went off the yeah. edge of Pecorine's blocker. Mm-hmm. Interesting side note, Sean. We've talked about Rene before. Of uh, the Stars got blanked in consecutive games as part of this winless run right before the pause by the the Predators. UC Soros in the net for both of those. 
he's become their starter. Back then, it was still you could still argue Pecorine was their number one. He's not anymore, and that's changed in the two months or so since the Winter uh, Classic. Yes and no. Like I, I mean, timeshare, but still could argue that he gets game one of a playoff series at the time. Yeah, I, I, at, in January 1st, he did. I mean, it's interesting because I've talked to, it's at the point where at the Winter Classic, um, Soros had at least been playing well enough to make the case Fair, that he right. should play. But it was at the point where Peter Laviolette, who was obviously no longer the coach in Nashville, um, they've had a dramatic said, couple of months yes, too, haven't they? Yes, yeah. He, he said, got fired. What seven days later? He got fired. Yeah, six I think days. Was, I think it was six days later because um, seven days because he got fired the day before the final episode of Road to the Winter Classic came out. That's right, man. Because I, I remember. Because I remember I was. It was already produced and wrapped, wasn't it? Because I remember watching it, so I got the one thing that they sent some of the media members is they sent some of the media members screener versions of, of the episode, which is essentially an episode. Basically, they sent us the raw file about 24 right. hours before it came out so we could write about it and have something to um, – so we can have something to write – so we could write about it and, 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 and talk about it. But obviously with kind of the caveat of this is coming with an embargo, um, the <laughs> – I remember I, I had watched that episode already because I, I watched it. And then the next morning, um, the next morning you have uh, the news came that Peter Laviolette was fired or the next day or whatever, whatever it was. But I remember having watched the uh, <laughs> having watched that with him as the head coach and then rewatching it the next night on NBCSN or NBC or yeah. whatever. And it's like, well, it's still the exact same program, but this is different person coaching this team now. <laughs> so. We've already gone into great detail. We could spend our entire hour talking just about atmosphere and the experiences you had in tailgating the parking lot. And I did the radio show pregame in the midway, but we don't have time for it right now. So let's do a little quick game recap. We talked about the Preds jumping out to that two-goal lead. I still thought, Sean, that Dallas was the better team, but because of the penalties, they were behind two to nothing in the first. The last two periods, it was... Could they beat Pecorine? Because most of the second period, they were stymied. You mentioned Dennis Gurionov's yeah. penalty shot. They had some other opportunities. It took Blake Como's goal with a minute and eight seconds left in the second period to get it going. But after that, it's like the dam broke because you could see the Stars were the better team. Yeah, the Stars were the better team in that game. Um, it's kind of they had a weird time getting going, obviously from the start because of all of the that stuff we talked about in the first period, but. Really, this kind of the identity of this Dallas Stars team, and it's been their identity for the past two, three years, the past, past two years during, we'll call it the, the Monty bonus era, depending <laughs> on how, how you want to define it. Um, the, the identity has been it's a team that starts slow, often, often by their own, uh, either by their own uh, poor performance or another team starting well. And they always respond well when they're playing well. And that's kind of – that's why this Winter Classic was probably a perfect encapsulation of who the Stars team is. They were down. They started slow. Then they kind of just charged back and took control of the game. And that's something that this group, while you can be uh, – you can be critical of them in certain ways and how they start games – you can't really ever pick at the resiliency this no. team has had. It, it is a microcosm of, of their last year and a half, two years of hockey. So Como gets that goal. Great pass by Dickinson to set it up. 
And then they get a power play that carries over into the third period. And this is where they basically even the score, but really grabbed hold of the game was Yanmark scores. I know we uh, have been talking all season in the last couple years about his inability to finish, but he scores by having a shot by Klingberg go off of his leg and in, I think it was. Um, yeah. Uh, with about, it was 58 seconds into the third period to tie it. And you could just sense that, okay, clean slate, it's 2-2, the crowd's going bonkers. They've got essentially 20 minutes left, 19 minutes, and it really felt like Dallas was going to win this game, even though it was only tied. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of one of those where you're just kind of waiting for the uh, the dam to break, and that's... And then you get the moment of the season so far, and you could argue that there was another turning point of the season, but with Alexander Radulov earlier, and we'll get to that in our next segment, uh, but... His power play goal was, in my opinion, Sean, the moment of the season because not only did it, it I mean, it, you could see as they worked it around. I think uh, Ben got it back to Jamie Ben got it back to Klingberg at the point on the left side. You could see Radulov waiting for a one timer in the right circle. The pass came across. It wasn't too fast, so you could feel the buildup, and. You know, collectively, about sixty-five thousand of the eighty-five in attendance were just euphoric. I mean, it was a beautiful goal. The place went bonkers. It was awesome. I had we had people in the press box cheering, <laughs> and um, and it and it was the game-winning goal. Now it wasn't the last goal, but Sean, I mean, is there? I, I don't know if there's a better individual goal slash moment this season for the Dallas Stars. Um, I mean that in the two. Well, if you're making the list of individual most important individual goals for the stars, they both belong to Alexander Radulov. Actually, yes. so the the other one goes back in October, which yes. I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit anyway. In our next um, segment. But yeah, I mean, as far as the iconic moment, and you know what, if this season ends the way it does, like if this season ends, if this stars, if this NHL season is over, there's no Stanley Cup champion. And you're going through, and and someone was to make a list of the top ten moments of the twenty uh, nineteen twenty season, um, and you're looking at things. I mean, you could make a case for Radulov's goal to be included in there. Obviously, I don't have that whole list in front of me. That, no, that's the type of, I think if but, for the NHL, it should. I mean, I think yes. that you have Ovechkin hitting seven hundred yeah. would be one. This is definitely in that group because it's on the national stage. Big NBC's having it. Uh, Doc Emmerich calling. He called a great goal. You have Radulov. I don't know if he timed it right or not, but literally celebrating at the camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it's it's a made for TV moment, and it was perfect. And then no. the funny thing, Sean, is that the Stars scored again less than a minute and a half later as Andre Secker scored uh, a really nice goal from Fox on uh, gets gets his own rebound. Yanmark got a, an assist, so he had a two point game, and that. Pretty much, that ended it. No, it was I think it was yeah. over when Radulov scored, but that one, that one really sealed it. Yeah, one of the things that was really cool for me that I'll always remember about it was about the Winter Classic in general was about last seven or eight minutes of the game. Um, I went so I watched from the press box for much of the game, just but the press box experience at the Winter Classic is not the same because it's an indoor. You're inside during an outdoor. It's not event. as loud as it could have been. 
because and you're so, you're, you're yeah. like almost in, encased in, in fishbowl glass. Yeah, and so I, I watched the last seven or eight minutes from the basically from kind of the one end zone behind the goal. Yes. The, uh, had that the Stars defended twice, and that was just cool. I just kind of stood up there and watched it. So um, it's uh, – th- I'll always remember that, just kind of that atmosphere and then the countdown to the end of the game. It just that was, that was so cool. So Yeah, and I had the similar thing because we had to get out to the midway for our post-game show location because of some technical logistics. So Bruce and I actually – left the press box with a media timeout to go, maybe even a little Mm -hmm. sooner than that. And we watched the last seven or eight minutes from one of the vomitories in the lower bowl where we could duck out and go right out of gate A there. And just off to the right was a huge Nashville Predators section. And a few of those fans, as the last minute or two, they started to leave. And, you know, look, I'm always critical about fans leaving early to beat traffic, but you're at the Winter Classic. You drove or flew from Nashville or wherever to celebrate. Your team's going to lose. You're at the Winter Classic. Where are you going? Be there. It's like leaving the Super Bowl early. Yeah. All right. Um, We could get more into the technical aspects of the game, but I think that's good. Yeah. And uh, up next, we are going to debate our month-by-month of this season's highs and lows here on the Quarcast. I've got another confession to make. I'm your fool. Everyone's got their chains to break. Holding you. Will you bother For our next segment here on Quarkast Episode 1, which is like the 106th or 7th or 8th, I don't know, I didn't look it up today of our Quarkast, it's it's sort of an outlier, so we're going to cram it in the middle, it's whatever. Uh, We're just going to, I mean, this is just going to be the the Quarkast is like the, uh, it's not a one-time thing, it's just a, it is only going to happen during this time. It's a standalone. Yes. Yes. We will not continue to Quarkast. It is a standalone series. Although, I like the freedom that a weekly podcast where you can talk about segments and and debate what's best. And then it, it's a little bit cleaner and more podcasty than just yeah. after a game. But that sets our car cast apart because nobody else is doing that. I have a legal pad. Look at that. Ooh, huh? <laughs> you have prepared notes. I have post-it notes right now because my one notebook is completely filled up. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, Sean, this this segment was your idea, so I'd like you to mm-hmm. tease everybody yeah, or set it up. Set it up, yeah. One of the I thought one of the one thing we kind of tackled just as far as to kind of look back at that season, at this season, without calling it closure of a season, but still kind of be able to relive some of the good and bad of it. Is look at some highs and lows for each month of the season, because obviously this has been a star season that has been chaotic. It's been. Right. It's incredibly chaotic here and there and everything. And so I thought one thing that would be kind of fun to look at is, okay, high and low moment for each month from October through March. Okay, and so we have six months so far yeah. because April hasn't happened and it may not happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to be and to be frank, I, I guess we kind of already know 
there's a couple of these where there's probably not going to be any debate at all. Maybe, um, maybe not. But we'll see. We'll I see. might go a different so, way just because I know. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm going non-obvious because I yeah. know what the obvious is. But you start yeah. in October. No. Yeah. So obviously October. I mean, there is. We're picking one. We're, we're trying to pick one moment here. And right. So I guess the high of to, the highs. Yeah, and low of the lows. And I guess to define a moment, I guess it has to have happened on one date. Um, and so I. So obviously the one seven and one start to the season that was that's 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 a low. But to me it was the I remember it was the four two loss. Hold on, I'm gonna yell at a dog. Hold on. Hey, <laughs> hey don't There's do that. Always fun in the ever hey, progressive hey, world from, here. Get away from there. Oh, Bing. Hey, get away. we're we can't shield everything. Like the one good thing about the car cast is that we don't have the outside distractions of kids yeah. and dogs and. And other family members. The bad thing is, is we, we have traffic, awful smells, bad drivers, yeah. weather, all of that. I had a. We have a Evie's leftover leftovers from Evie's lunch are on the uh, ah. on breakfast are on the counter, and so I got a dog trying to. Uh, I could see her. She thought she was being sneaky. So. Anybody who's a parent of dogs or kids knows that you never stop being a parent. You're always on duty. So, you know, we could yes. do, I mean, we probably leave this in because it, it pulls back the curtain. We'll, yeah, we'll we are this recording this. I could, you could just give me the timeout sign and we could just cut it. No, just keep All right. it going. It's Full fun. transparency. Anywho. All right. So, so highs October. And low. Highs and, October. High. I mean, the lows, we're going to, we'll do low first and then high. Okay? Oh, you want to give the that. bad news first. Yeah, it works that way. <laughs> okay. um, for me, the low just was, there was... There was a part that was going to be the low, but then became the high. But the low for me was the loss in Pittsburgh um, during the one seven and one stretch. Um, it was started, their seventh loss. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was the loss that made them one seven one, and that loss in Pittsburgh. And for me, that was the typically whether the Stars win or lose. Obviously, it's better to it's it's more fun to cover a team that's winning and everything like that, but. My general demeanor is not is not is rarely impacted by whether they've won or lost. Just to, um, however, when yeah, I mean, I think that we all feel it a little bit, but we're not moping because they no, lose, right? No, my my and so like like I don't whether they win or lose, I don't I don't I really don't care at the end of the day. Just it's it's a. Well, well, when they're winning, my job is... It's way more fun to cover a winning it's team. It's way more enjoyable. Way it's more fun to, it's, it's more. It's more fun to cover a winning team, but I've covered bad teams, and that's fine. Um, As have I. The, the, one seven, the loss in Pittsburgh when they lost, it was a 4-2 loss in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And it was on October 18th. I, yeah, and I remember being in the press box in Pittsburgh, like just looking at my computer thinking, damn, there's... I just, do this 74 more times this year or whatever <laughs> whatever it is like i remember like yeah i think it was one so 72 or seven whatever whatever like 82 minus thinking, like, 9 would be 73 yeah and like and i remember thinking like damn there's 73 more games of yes this. yes I'm cover one of them. And, and, and i was and, in the radio station in <laughs> at the ticket studio looking at bruce going oh this is the it was the third straight loss on the road that week because they beat the capitals at home, right? Or no, yeah. sorry, sorry. They lost to the Caps. They they had uh, they had beaten the Capitals on the road the week before, and then shootout loss to Calgary, 
lost at home to the Caps 4-1, to and it was two different levels of play. And then it was shut out in Buffalo, lose in Columbus, and then lose in Pittsburgh. And you're going, this is, that was the fifth straight loss. Yeah, it was rough. Oh. And it was, and it was just after, like, and it was right after, so it, this was, this Pittsburgh game came, there was the Buffalo game that was an early candidate for worst game of the year. The Buffalo uh, 4 nothing loss, they yeah. were, it's, yeah. and you know what's weird is that it's not the first time they've gone to Buffalo and laid an egg. Since, since I've been with the Stars, it seems to be that they've played a lot wor- worse in Buffalo than they've played well there in my tenure with the Stars. I don't know what it is about that, whether it's the fact that they played some afternoon games, like that Monday afternoon thing, but boy, they have not had good luck in Buffalo in recent memory. Yeah, and now, this was, in old history, a little bit better. Of, yeah, but this was, this was a week that where you had Buffalo... They laid an absolute egg. They come to Columbus the next day, and I remember we're in Columbus, and there's no practice. And it's one of those where we're thinking, like, this team is, is playing terrible right now. Why aren't they practicing? And and that was and then, the uh, that was Tuesday, right? They canceled practice between Buffalo and, I, and the Blue Jackets. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And they canceled practice on Tuesday, and and they said, well, oh, one of the best things to do is to clear your heads and get away from it. And they didn't because they go to the next day. Sonny Milano scores arguably huh. the goal of the year against them. Um, yep, I remember that too. Jeez. And then you also have, and then you go, and so then you go into Pittsburgh, where this is just all building, building, building. And wasn't Crosby um, fighting an injury at the time? They. It was a Pittsburgh team that was, I believe, ransacked by injuries. Yes. Like Mel, I don't think Malkin played. He hadn't started uh, the season yeah, yet. Yeah, and so I mean, this was a team where. You had this was a Pittsburgh team that should have been picked off, or you should have been able to win this game. And and when they lost that game, we were just thinking, you know what? I don't think I, I don't think I don't think everyone's keeping their job by the end of the year. And now maybe that was foreshadowing in a different way. Yes, but but I I, <laughs> thought, I thought at the time someone's not keeping their job for. Uh, for performance reasons, so I, that that's my low. Is that is that a fair low for? I mean, do you have it a is. different? It yeah. is. I have two others because okay. obviously the one seven one stretch is by far the low. Yeah. But mm-hmm. beside aside that game, I have two. My original thought is my high and low are in the same game in October, mm-hmm. yeah. and but then when you started talking about the Penguins, I remembered the third period of a week later. When they hosted Pittsburgh on that Saturday, October 26th, and for 40 minutes, they were the better team than the Penguins. They couldn't score, but they looked like they were dominating. And I think Pittsburgh had played the night before. And then in the third period, the Penguins scored three times. Sekra got hurt, and he crashed into the end boards. We thought he was he was dead. Fortunately, he wasn't as injured as it, as it appeared. And they ended up losing 3 to nothing to the Penguins. And I remember thinking, this is gone. Because they had won three in a row, not at the time against really good teams, but they had won a few. And then they just gave it away in the third period at home, and people started to grumble. So that both Pittsburgh games this season were not good. But to me, Sean, you, the thought of someone's going to lose their job for performance reasons happened in the second period of October 29th against the Minnesota Wild. They're down 2 to nothing already after the first. And Ryan Suter scores on a slap shot power play goal from the blue line that screened Ben, uh, actually Hudobin, because didn't Bishop get pulled after the first period? 
Yeah. Right. It was. Yep. Uh, it was. He, I don't think he started the second. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that goes in, and it's three nothing Minnesota. And at that point, the Stars weren't playing well. They had already sw- swapped out goalies after twenty minutes. That goal from Suter, I went. Uh oh, we're in real trouble. Someone's going to lose their job after this game. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I remember that goal and I remember that Minnesota game. I'm trying to see, I'm pulling up my computer. I'm trying to see if I still have it. Um, because I had written a full column. I remember messaging back and forth with my editor that night, Mike, and we had, I can't find it right now, but I had written a whole column that we were going to publish as soon as the game ended because we were like, we need to write this before we have a press conference tomorrow morning announcing a new GM or coach. Right. Or, like, or heads will roll as yeah. assistant because somebody yeah. was going to lose their job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That allows us to go right into the, the October yeah. highs. We've already spent way too much time for the segment on October, yeah. but yeah. the high was Alexander Radulov hat trick and a six-goal comeback win after being down three to nothing. I mean, their season was on the brink of collapse. And Radulov scores an insane diving goal at the end of the second period to give the Stars a little bit of life. And then they scored five in the third period. And I think three of them went off of Minnesota players like Ricochets and in. Um, But I've actually gone back and watched this game. I did a play-by-play demo of this game. And it is, if you haven't watched it, and maybe we should review it at some point because it is... A, if the stars just it's it's Jekyll and Hyde. They were yeah. so bad for thirty minutes of this game, and then the last twenty five minutes or so, they were so good. And Minnesota had absolutely no answer. Remember, Minnesota had had a horrible start too. They were starting to come out of it, and it looked like they were going up, and the stars were going down. To me, the high and the low of October were in the same game, separated yeah. by about what, 15, 20 minutes? That's fair. I mean, and, and I think, and kind of to, to wrap up October and, and to kind of move on to the next one. We're going to have to do that, rapid speed the rest yeah, of the month. Uh, one thing that I think just set up well, um, just that kind of, you, we talked about the Winter Classic encapsulating the star season. And one thing I think, the goal in October, the hat trick in October, the goal on January 1st, the Winter Classic for Radulov, I think that kind of encapsulates Radulov season too, where we talk about, it was so jackal and high for Radulov. Right now, he's in the middle of a 13-game goal drought as we sit here with the season pause, where he, someone who typically has a 13-game goal drought is having career lows, you'd think would be having a unanimously terrible year, but he had two of the biggest goals of the year yes. if you go back and look at the star season. So it's just kind of a fast, fascinating uh kind of a fascinating setup there. Like, So let's move on to November. Um the low for me, Sean, and we're going to have to to shorten it a little bit because of time purposes to get through the other five months. <laughs> um, the low for me was November 26th at Chicago, an absolute stinker of a game. 3 nothing loss. They had just beaten the Vegas Golden Knights the night before, and they just didn't show up. And it was right before the Thanksgiving break, and they were awful. Yeah, that was a bad game. That one, that that's your low. That was my low. Yeah, that was a bad one. Um, that was a 
for me, the November when I look at November, I look at a I look at a loss at the Blues as the low. Um, You're talking about the, the one right after the uh, at home Black yeah, Black Friday. Yeah. yeah, the Black Friday loss to the Blues. That wasn't good either. And the reason for me is just the opponent, because I look at one of the things that the stars the stars right now and for them you look at the big kind of the bad juju in the way of the stars success 2016 it was the blues in round two yeah they... last year was the yeah last year was the blues in round two and so i think the stars still haven't proven to themselves even that they can get over the blues in a big game and so they've gone through this really good stretch in november they lost to a chicago team yeah it was the second game of a back-to-back it was a it was a bad game but it was the second game of back-to-back to me that st louis loss was just another reminder of hey we're here the blues are still here and i think that is yep for me, I agree. to me to me that reminder is a low and it's it's a good low to have it, it generate compared to the low of october <laughs> yes to have a reality check as the low i don't think is the worst thing but to me that st louis loss was a low of hey there's still more to go. It's there's a lot more work to do to catch yeah, a team exactly, that was yeah. the Stanley Cup yeah. champs. Uh, my high was look. November was an incredible month for the Stars. They won a ton of games. They were close to setting a team record for most wins and points for the month. They had that little petering out with Chicago, St. Louis that kept them from getting to some of those numbers. But Sean, to me, it was a two-game set. It was the November first and second back to back at Colorado and then home against Montreal. And the reason why I'm doing two is because in the past, the Stars have not done well in Denver, and they've done very well this year against the Avs, who are obviously an emerging team. But they won on the road, and then they came home when they're supposed to be the tired team. And I thought that game against Montreal was one of the most complete games we've seen. There's been a few this year where the Stars just not dominated for 60 minutes, but maybe played a full 60-minute game and dominated for most of the 60 minutes. And it was a great game. It was a lot of fun. And I thought Rope Hintz and Denis Gurionov really showed the kind of speed. They were playing with Pavelski that night. And you said, wow, that's the second line. Ben Sagan, Radulov, Hintz, Gurionov, and Pavelski. You've got a 1-2. You've got a great checking. That Montreal game, they just looked phenomenal. Unfortunately, Hintz got hurt right after that. For me, that Montreal game was on my list of games potentially. But to me, I'm actually going to go more micro on this one. And I'm just picking Anton Hudobin's save against Chicago in that 2-1 win in the shootout victory. That was um, where, uh, a couple weeks later. Yeah, the, yep. I think it was. I believe it was November 23rd, Correct. I believe. At um, the AAC. Yeah, yeah, to me, that's I'm going to go with that as the high just because it was one of those where it was part of the win streak. It was part of everything. And I'm picking it A because like, I'm a fan of Wolf <laughs> and, and, and And it's it's the star save of the year from both a – it's a star save of the year, and it is a. Uh, it's also kind of was a reminder of how valuable that one B is to the stars. Yeah. Just as far as having, um, for for years, obviously the backup goalie not having a backup goalie they trusted was was really was really an Achilles heel for this team, and Hudobin has fixed that in the past two years, and so that save to me is just kind of a reminder and a encapsulation of. This is, we have this guy who has our back, and that save was just tremendous save. On that note, an honorable mention for the month of November would be him coming in and the, the win in Edmonton in overtime, uh-huh. yep. and the yep. play by Essa Lindell in three-on-three overtime against Connor McDavid defensively to lead to the yep. rush the other way and the game-winning goal, I think it was Jamie Benn, if I remember correctly. Yes. But the fact that Essa stopped McDavid one-on-one in three-on-three, which is no small feat... And I remember his line afterward because everybody asked him, what were you thinking about? He goes, 
just don't get beat to the inside. Keep him outside. Yeah. And he stole the puck from him. It was awesome. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go to December. December. Lead us off, Sean. So there's there's two ways to look at Lowe's here. Um, there's, <laughs> to me, there's a game that stood out right away. Uh, Let me guess. These, Florida Panthers? These, yep, 7-4 loss to Florida. It was so bad. But, I mean, I don't know. You can't have – and it's for, it's lows for a different reason because you don't ever want to see somebody go through the type of uh, yes. personal thing that Jim Montgomery went through to lose his job. But to me, that's the low of the month is Jim Montgomery losing his job. Yep. Um, we obviously – we don't we still don't have full details. There's been a little bit more surface where he's gone through rehab and he's admitted that he had alcohol abuse issues and everything like that. Um, but just kind of that whole – surreal morning and day and someone losing their job who had by all accounts done a very good job at their job losing it for another reason and and obviously kind of the what this does to the Montgomery family and I remember I remember all of that and kind of feeling for the kids his his young kids too we talked you have kids I have kids talked about his young kids who all of a sudden are probably heard questions about that in school and probably still do and so to me that's I, I can't that that was a low on a personal level that I think trumped anything on a hockey level. Now, if we were yes. just saying just just hockey wise, it's the seven four loss to Florida. But Jim Montgomery losing his job is the low to me for December. And in that day, which was December tenth, we found out was a game day. They played the Devils, and it was a really good thing that they played a team as poor as New Jersey because they yeah. won two to nothing. They were still not sure if Taylor Hall was going to get traded. He if he would to Arizona shortly after, so Hall didn't play in the game, and. Against a better opponent, the Stars probably don't win that game because of all the turmoil and the emotional reaction, but they won 2 to nothing because the Devils are just not a good hockey team. Taylor Hall did play in that game. Oh, he did? Was that the last one he, he played? That, that, that was oh, that's right. That, that was his last game as a he Devil. He got they held out him, after they, that. They, they that's held him out was. the next game on the trip. Yeah. That's right, and that was so. uh, in Vegas, I think. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm in agreement. I think the off-the-ice with Montgomery is the low along with... That Florida game, especially on the backs of the high, which for me is what Anton Hudobin did the night before in Tampa. The team was bad against the the Lightning, but they were able to, because Hudobin absolutely stole points from the the Tampa Bay power play and pressure, and it was just nuts. That was the high. The next night was the low because they were, you were like, okay, you were bad, your goalie stole you a win. You have a break coming up for Christmas in a couple of days. Go do something against the Panthers, and they were awful. But let's get back to the high. For me, that Hudobin performance showed once again, like you said before, why it's so important to have that one B. For me, that was it was that one, and the, the, the one I ended with was I thought Jamie Benz showing in Arizona. Um, yeah, me, that, that was that, good that, too. That, that's what I went with. Just that was the last as... game of the month. Yeah, and and the reason, only reason I went with that was just because if I hadn't gone with the Hudobin save in Chicago, I probably would have gone with the Hudobin. You were trying not game. to get typecast as a goalie yeah, enthusiast. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I also I also think it was important too because I think you in December you had two of the best individual performances of the season by individual players. Right. I think I think Ben's individual performance in Arizona and Hudobin's individual performance in Tampa are two of the best if you were to rank the top individual. Per- of the season, I think those two are right up there as one and two almost. Uh, we can make some cases for other kings, but I think they're at least they're easily in the conversation right away. So um, I'm going to go with just for conversation's sake. I'm going to go with Ben in Arizona. That was a game where he 
he was a force. It was retro Jamie Ben taking uh, retro Jamie Ben taking over a game and basically saying, "We're not losing this game. My team is going to win." Let's move on to January. Um, yep. t- this is to me a, a pretty easy no brainer. The low for me in the month of January was December 18th, the last game before the bye week and all-star break, where the Stars got embarrassed in Minnesota to the Wild, 7 to nothing, And it, uh, like the one we talked about in Chicago, but probably even more so because of the scoreline, this was a no-show. The difference was there's no back-to-back here. The Stars had lost and were bad against Buffalo two nights before at home. That was an embarrassing game at the AAC, but then 7 nothing to me, that was the low of the month of January. So I'm going to kind of, I'm going to, that was my low. However, I actually have the high and low happening that same day. Oh, do you? Because while Winter Classic was tremendous, and that was something where obviously we talked quite a bit about it, that was Steven John's first game back. And while the result and how these stars played was not fitting of the story for Steven John's first the, game you're back. You're talking about the Minnesota game. The Minnesota yeah, game, okay. yes, on, December, on, on January yep. 18th. The fact Stephen Johns even played a game in the first place, to me, is one of the great storylines in the NHL. Um, if the NHL awards are even given out this year, he should win He should win the Masterton, in my opinion. He should. Uh, Absolutely should. Yeah. Um, whether he will or not is obviously another question. Um, but... To me, it's it's a, it's it absolutely sucks because it happened on the day of the low of this low of low, low of the month as far as hockey games go. But the fact Stephen Johns played a hockey game to me that's the high right up there. Obviously, the Winter Classic. It's hard, but I, I wanted to give some recognition to that because yep. obviously it's hard to top the Winter Classic being on January first there. So let's move. Uh, to me, the Winter Classic is my high, but I like yours from Stephen Johns yeah. from a personal standpoint. Let's move to February because we're running out of time here. Yeah. Because um, we spent nine hours on October. <laughs> um, <laughs> my low for the month of February is, I think, pretty obvious, and it's because of the circumstances. It's the February twenty first home yep. game against the St. Louis Blues. With first place on the line, a win tied that would have tied them for the Blues, and they would have had the tiebreaker, so they would have moved into first in the Central. They had been playing relatively well, had a good road trip where they got points in all three games in Dallas, uh, in Toronto, Montreal, and, and Ottawa, although they lost to Ottawa in overtime. Beat the Coyotes, and here you are. You're feeling good. The team's been on a bit of a roll. They had beaten the Blues in overtime back in the first meeting of the month in St. Louis. It's at home and they had another no-show. And it was it was even more so than the other ones. This one, because of the opponent, because of what was at stake, this one was probably the most heart-wrenching as far as a negative, I think, of those games. But yeah, that's the negative for me, too. And it's kind of going back to the reason I had November lost to St. Louis as my low for November is the same reason this one is. But yep. this one was obviously much worse with the same. <laughs> the Blues are still that kind of that ceiling or hurdle the stars have to break through to to get to get to the elite level. Do you think level. it's almost more at the AAC than in Enterprise? I know they lost game 7 in double overtime last year in the playoffs in St. Louis, but they've had some victories. They've had good performances in St. Louis. It seems like at home they've had more trouble. 
It may be. It might be. It might be uh, the Blues at the AAC because obviously, even even while they lost Game Seven in St. Louis, the most disappointing loss to me of that playoff series last year was Game Six. Yes, because it was at home yeah. with a chance to win the series and yep. move on to the conference final. And so maybe, maybe 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 that's what it is. Maybe it's the Blues in Dallas. That's what um, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Fun fact, actually, did you know the St. Louis Blues? played a home game in Dallas before the Stars are over there. I have heard this fun fact before, yes. yes. The, the, the Islanders, it was with the Islanders and the Blues. It was before the NHL had expanded, relocated to Dallas. They had done some markets or they did some neutral site games, and the Islanders and Blues played a home game in uh, Dallas. Weird, fun fact, isn't it? Fun facts. Weird. Yep. So, Weird. what's your high for the month of February? Because mine is a, a specific goal of a game. It might be the same one. Tyler Sagan in Montreal. In okay, overtime. Mine was, not, mine was not that one. That was, that and, was, that was close. Here's that why. Close. I'll give it a real quick one. So yeah. Sagan was on his career-long goal drought. He scores a power play goal that helps the Stars beat Toronto two nights before in, I want to say Maple Leaf Gardens, but that's really, really old. It's Scotiabank Arena now. It's not even yeah. Air Canada Center. But in Toronto, he scores a huge goal, gets the monkey off his back. Two nights later, the Stars are awful to start, claw back, and end up beating Montreal in overtime with a superstar level goal from Sagan that we haven't seen a lot of this year. And it was sort of the, hey, I can do things you can't do. It was an incredible goal. From an individual standpoint, that was the high for me for February. From a uh, from a hockey perspective, it's the star's goal of the year. Um, for me, the goal I went with, and I'm just continuing to deride the Stephen John's train. Yeah, on this that's one, a good one the, too. The, the goal at Madison Square Garden, where his parents were in attendance, and I just remember talking to Stephen after the game, and just him being so emotional that after he scored, he was able to point to the stands um, where his mom and dad were there. And I'm impressed he knew game. where they were, because usually, don't you find out after the game where they were sitting? Um, Maybe he found out in warmups or something. Depends on the arena, actually. I think because okay. there's some places. There's some places, from my understanding, where, where there's they, a designated section. Yeah, there's okay. some places, and, and there's some places where it depends on who they go through. Like, I, here's a quick, funny side note of a story, just because we, we have can tons always, of time in our segment. Uh, uh, <laughs> Longest example, segment of of the show so far. So when Jason Robertson got called up, uh, Hugh and Mercedes Robertson, Jason's parents, were at the game and. They had originally been going to be. They were originally going to be in the area anyway, because they were going to go see Jason's brother Nick play in the OHL. Um, so Nick Robertson is a Maple Leafs prospect, and so I remember talking to uh, Jason Raidman, Stretch, the uh, Stars Team Services guy. And so for everyone who doesn't know Stretch, uh, Jason, he essentially makes everything go. He books all the travel. He books all the hotels. He is the he's the guy who makes everything run. Yeah, he's the and, head of Team Services. Yeah, he, he basically is logistics. Yes. And uh, so I remember on that day talking to him where the Robertson family wasn't sure which team services guy to call about tickets because obviously they had dealt with Toronto before. They'd always dealt with Nick's with the Toronto team services person because of Nick was a was a Maple Leafs prospect. And so there was kind of a kind of a funny confusion of wait, wait, who because they, they, the Robertson family, I think it was Hugh was calling Jason, who's the Stars Team Services guy. Mercedes was calling the uh, the Maple Leafs uh, huh. team service team services person, and so they had to get their hairs crossed to make sure, like, okay, you know, you have to go through uh, the Stars because it's Jason's first NHL game. So right. I thought I thought that was uh, just kind of kind of a funny scenario where 
and they were able to an, ex- an example of a game like that jason was told his dad texted texted him where they were sitting before the game started so he would have known he knew where they were nice okay uh, so, so uh i think it really depends honestly i think it really depends on when and how soon the family gets the tickets okay because i think i think it's that type of thing where probably i i'll have to ask steven this at some point i'm sure may, it might be one of those things where his parents had picked up the tickets earlier in the day and texted him before all the phones went away maybe so uh-huh. but we'll see okay um all right yeah, so that's, to march that's because February. we have to wrap up our uh our lengthy debate segment mark okay march lots lots of lows lots of lows uh, obviously the losing lots streak the season coming I mean, to me, the season being put on hiatus is obviously the low of the low. Yes. So, um, I've got I've got a high. Um, How? My, I have no. I do have one high. Just Boy, if you're being okay, it's a it's a silver lining high. You take a look at the loss to Edmonton, the two one loss to yes. Edmonton, and the fact that the you take a look at what the Fox line did against Drysital and McDavid. And well, just what that whole they. I mean, if yeah. it wasn't for Miko Koskinen's goaltending performance, the Stars win this one running away. Yeah. They were yeah. they were really good in the game, except for finishing shots. But they created a ton of chances, and they no, limited, and, as you were saying, they limited Edmonton's high-powered offense to very little. Yeah, I mean, to me, that that's the only real high is you take a look at. It was the what? only game that they played really well. They were okay in the second game, the home game in the home and home with Nashville, where they lost one to nothing. They just couldn't get anything by Soros. Yeah. But to me, Sean, the low, not the the season pause, which is obviously yeah. not having hockey is awful. But the week before in Nashville, where they lost two to nothing, it was another one of those no show games where there was nothing really positive. I thought that was the low, and the the New York Rangers game wasn't very good either. But to me, at Nashville on March fifth was their low. Yeah, I agree with that. Man, we should have saved this for another segment because if we get a, another show, we might need that material. Should we just clip it all, not use it, and save it for later? <laughs> uh, let's keep it in. All right. Keep it. It works. Up next, that's right, you've been waiting for 24 hours plus. It's the lightning round here on the Quarkast. <laughs> Final segment of the first edition of the Quarkast is the lightning round. And we called your questions. Remember, if you do not use hashtag Quarkast spelled properly, we won't get it. If you misspell it, because we both put up a list on our tweet decks for that hashtag. So we're only looking at that. So if you send it to us just with your mentions, or if you misspell it, you're not going to notice that. Um... And you know what? The flavor of our show continues with dogs and piano. And Sean, I've got a couple of text messages, so there might be some pings on my computer that's recording this. So let's move on to the lightning round. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, we're gonna first one you're gonna start with is uh, Florian in, in Italy, who he sent one thing and then made sure to double back and tag it. Just said 
Hi from Italy. We are still alive. Miss hockey and normal life. So obviously we know Italy's going through a really tough time right now, just like the rest of the world. But obviously it's very dire there. So everyone stay safe. And thank you for listening. And we uh, we wish the best to you. That was the best um, one I've seen so far. Yeah. I just I mean, because you know what's going on in Italy and the fact that we have a fan who's uh, he's sent us questions before to the car cast and yeah. I can't imagine what they're going through, and yet we kind of, sort of are right now. So, uh, yeah. th- Flo, hang in there, buddy. Hope you stay safe and healthy. Yeah. All right, from Andrew, uh, <laughs> should the athletic start covering Instagram trends like people baking? Uh, <laughs> well, I guess that's more of a question for me and my it is. job Go and for everything. It. No, I mean, I think we've done a good job of covering and finding kind of some unique things to tackle um, in general, uh, I think last week, I think, I think digging in and doing stories on how Jamie Ben almost went to college is more interesting than writing about baking right now. Now, speaking of baking, it smells wonderful in my home right now <laughs> because, um, oh, there's the so, home phone ringing. So we got more flavor. Okay. I'm going to get to that in a second. You have a home phone. That's, I don't know how many people actually have a home. Phone. Well, it's, um, it's sort of a home phone. It's a, We'll pause. Okay. pause. We'll, get, we'll right. get to your home. We'll get to your home in a second. It smells delicious in the kitchen right now. I have no idea what she's baking, but my wife is baking something, and it sound and it smells really good. Well, what is it? Ooh, maple syrup bread. Why not? I mean, it's yeah. it's hey, it's it's the quarantine time. You might as well try it. Yeah. So, so it sounds really. It smells really good. Um. Anywho, you have a home phone. Yeah. So. It actually has worked out really well because we have one. It's actually an internet phone because it, it's it's with AT and T, but it's with our DirecTV and our internet. So it, it isn't technically a landline in the classic sense of you know you plug it into the wall and it works even if the power goes out. This is if we lose our internet cable service, the phone doesn't work, or if the power went out, it wouldn't work. But and here's so originally we had it because my wife's best friend. It lives in Canada now. She grew up together and then actually married a hockey player and moved up to Montreal. Well, cell phone coverages was it was cheaper when we first started doing this to have the home phone with free Canada can, calling to Canada, you know that kind of thing, than it was to have the Canadian calling plan on your cell phone. That was a couple of stops ago on the journey of our hockey travels. But we've actually kept it because it's really nice to be able to – our, our kids are 8 and 10 years old now. So we've started exploring the home alone for a little bit. Like, you know, hey, I'm going to go for a run for a half an hour. Don't burn the house down. Or, hey, I'm going to run to the grocery okay. store. Instead of dragging you around the aisles of the supermarket, stay home. The fact that they have a phone without giving them cell phones because I'm adamantly opposed to giving my kids cell phones for a while – we're trying to see how long we can hold it off. But we can, they can call me or my wife on our cell phones and say, hey, where are you? Or if there, anything's going on. So to have that mode of communication works out really well. Yeah. Okay. So, But yes, we do have a home phone. And the funny thing is that we rarely ever get calls on it unless it's one of us or like our parents because we don't give it out that much. But we do get a ton of junk calls on that. And it royally pisses off our youngest dog, who howls when the phone rings. Does not like it at all. All right. Keep moving. 
Let's see, Sherm's Zach. Uh, knowing you don't have full insight into the NHL's front office, what are your feelings on when is too late to save the 2019-20 postseason? We talked about this a little bit in our first segment. Um, assuming the NHL wants to start the 2020-21 season on time, which would be at the beginning of October with a September training camp, then you'd probably have to be able to finish the Stanley Cup playoffs in August. So if you could, if you, I mean, you said Mark Cuban was talking about something in June or before, but if they went July, August, if they were able to, to condense a playoff into two months and then have a, a, bre- a breather slash camp to start a new season, if things were going well. I've also seen people like, you know, Elliot Friedman was talking about having a delayed start to the season everything pushed back a little bit to get it in. I just don't, I mean, if you're getting into September before you've even started playing a game, I think your season's over. Yeah. I I think the, for me, I think one of the big things that's going to happen with the NHL and maybe, I don't know about the NBA, but because, um, uh, I, but I think as far as the NHL goes, I think they're at a point where you don't want to, let this continue to roll down the hill into next year. And then you have to somewhat modify next year to get back to normal in 2021, 20, 22. Right. Like I, like I think you want, which would if, be the beginning is, of the Seattle name your team here. Yeah. And so I think, I Go think Kraken. yeah, Kraken. I think this is something where they want, they want to just, if as much as they want to award the Stanley cup this year, they also have owners from teams that don't make that aren't going to make the playoffs that aren't going to want to play 60 games next year. No, because because of they need the revenue, so, right? They need the revenue. So let I, me I ask think, you this, Sean: Do yeah. you see? I, I I don't know. We haven't really talked about it yet. Are, is the Do you think the NHL is so adamant to having the Stanley Cup awarded that we're going to have a possibility of playing playoff games on, in empty arenas? more so than not playing at all. I think the NHL is more likely to play in empty arenas than the NBA, honestly, just because I think, uh, let me me rephrase that. I think the NHL is more likely to come back earlier than the NBA and play in front of empty arenas than, than the NBA does. Because, and this is, and this is just a personal theory because I think the NHL is at a point where awarding the Stanley cup and, taking advantage of that NBC window in July and August, I think that is something where financially that's something they need more than the NBA does because NBA owners are better off financially. The NBA, and this is something for a conversation I'm just going to sit, I've always felt the NBA, and this is just a theory I've always told my friends that I've always texted with people who are big basketball fans. I've always thought the NBA should go December to August, personally. I've always thought the NBA should open on Christmas since it already owns Christmas yes. and, I, and, and then go to August and then just kind of beat and then avoid NFL head-to-head. So I think the NBA can get, can get away with changing their schedules lately. The NHL, because of the ice and the conditions, I don't think we can get too far and impact future years and the league be yeah. healthy. So, All right. Um, the next one I see is Hannah. Yep. Right, wrote in, if you had to be quarantined with one player from the team, who would you pick? Um, based off where they're quarantining or who the person is? Because I those, those two different questions. Uh, you can go either or, I think. I think it's open, because, open for interpretation. Because based off of, you know what, based off both, I may pick Ben Bishop. 
Like he has a home. Like I wouldn't pick a player who has an apartment. I wouldn't want to be because I'm assuming you need I'm some space. I'm assuming I'm quarantining in their space. Just okay. For this not section, not but. them coming to your house. Yeah, I'm assuming. I'm assuming. I don't know. It's a good question. But um, either way, just in case there is a, I, I I don't want to be a quarantine in an apartment. I really don't want that. And so I think uh, I think I might go with Ben Bishop. His house is also and also because I don't know all the caveats to this. His house is also baby proof, and so I think that would be a lot easier for if my family is moving in. <laughs> it's a lot easier. It would be. It would. It, so. you, you're very practical with your thoughts. I was thinking yeah. more of the entertainment value, yeah. and I don't think you can go wrong with Anton Hudobin because you just don't know what's going to happen from minute to minute. I don't think there's a dull moment being quarantined with Hudobin. That's true, and if you're if you're if you're going off where you're quarantining, where he is, we're dropping you in Siberia right now. And you know that's an interesting thing. So for the guys that have left Dallas, and we don't know all of them, but we have a good idea of about uh, yeah. at least what seven or eight. Um, um, I believe, as far as I know, let me just go off the top of my head. I know Guryanov, Hudobin, Polak, Sekera, um, Klingberg. I believe Hitchkin and Hans. Um, I'm sorry. Was that Hitchkinen? Hitchkinen hints. So, I just, <laughs> so um, I think uh, I, yeah, I think it's around around eight or nine right now. Um, yeah, you're right. And the thought I had was, you don't usually like Sagan said this year. He got the chance to go home for Christmas, and that's hard for him to do because of the season. He don't get a lot of time. Yeah, these guys almost never since they've been professional hockey players. Actually, they've never been back in those locations, in their off-season homes during the month of March. So that's got. I know the the overlying circumstances of being quarantined and having this pandemic worldwide is awful. But if you want to add a silver lining, like I haven't been able to go back to my home state of Maine during a hockey season, except for when we were when I was in the AHL and playing the Portland Pirates for years and years and years. So I haven't seen a Maine winter in ages and decades now and wouldn't that be kind of a cool thing to see i don't want a global pandemic to, to come along so i get the opportunity to do something like that now i'm not in yeah. maine i'm still here in dallas fort Worth, up in mckinney but still like these guys i mean when's the last time you think hudobin was in siberia um maybe the lockout season right yeah probably so no all right let's and move he, on he, he, and even then actually i think at that point anton was still bouncing back and forth a little bit between the AHL. So he may have been, he may have been in, playing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, next one I've got here from uh crawdaddy. Oh no, no, sorry. Uh, Al, uh, Alzi 23. Yep. It, uh, and in the West, the stars are fourth in points percentage, but ninth in regulation wins. They're eighth and five, five goal four. Are they a paper tiger with regards to playoffs where overtime is five, eight, five? Um, I don't know. I mean, the one thing that it's, the one thing that I know this is going to sound cliche, but it's true. These stars do play a playoff style. Um, and on top of that, they have a goaltender that puts them in any series you put the stars in right now. I would argue that they would have either equal or have an edge in goaltending. And so I, I, I think it's a team that's built for playoff style hockey. And would I say they're a favorite to win the cup? No, but they're just like, they're in that group that can win the cup. They can. In, in, they're a in, contender. In they're so, not maybe a favorite, but they're a contender. Yeah. Yes. So, so I, I agree I, I with think that. That's, yeah. Um, so, okay, let's 
Next one from uh, Crawdaddy. Say the season resumes and playoffs are held from late July to August. How would players have expiring contracts and playoff teams fit into the picture? Would free agency be pushed back? So there's a lot of moving parts on all of that. Very much um, so. But from my most recent understanding, obviously this seems to change with every conference call people have. Contracts would – the current rosters would still be used for the playoffs. Um, Can you imagine a, a scenario where – a, yeah. a playoff team lost five free agents and couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> no. So yeah, exactly. And so of it course is a, they're not going to let that happen. They're going to push everything back. And so free agency. Say say the playoffs are played in. Uh, I believe the question was July and August. Free agency may happen September first, for example. Right, and like that. So. Th- that would actually throw off players that might be on the bubble trying to get contracts for a European league that mm-hmm. starts in August. But yeah. look, it. I know it's going to create a lot of confusion, but the whole world is dealing with an unprecedented pandemic that at least in our generation, in our lifetime, we've never seen. So a lot of questions where we don't have answers. Correct. Uh, next one we've got from coach kitchen. Um, if the stars do not play another game until the start of next season, is Rick bonus their head coach? If the answer is no, who is? Boy, it's hard to give – I mean, the Stars have to – Jim Nill has to know what he has with Rick Bonus as far as a regular season coach in a difficult situation. Now, he hasn't had him from the start of the year to know what a training camp under Bones looks like, although you see – uh, I'm sure when he was assisting Jim Montgomery, there was some ideas of what he brings to the table. But it's like an incomplete, right? How do you judge? I, we even said, because people were saying, oh, we should get rid of Bones now. They've lost six in a row. And you say, no, he's going to be the coach the rest of the year. Wait till the season and the playoffs to see where this team goes. Yeah. I don't know, Sean. I'm not sure he is the head coach if this is it. I don't I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's done enough that he could. But I've, so my, I've my, always my... said playoffs dictate whether he's the coach next year or not. Yeah, my gut says my gut says if my gut says if they don't play again, there's a new head coach. That's just what my gut says. Yeah, that's my first knee jerk reaction too. Um, and who would that just, be? I think I mean there's lots of options. Obviously, um, you got to look at Gallant, don't you? Gallant, Gallant could be an option. Um, the I mean I don't think it's someone that I don't think it's someone that Jim Nill. I'm not saying it could happen, but just to be frank. Someone's going to give Mike Babcock another chance. And he does have with, a relationship with him from Detroit. Yeah, and even with and even with some of the stuff that came out about Babcock's kind of tenure in Toronto and and things like that. I mean, I wouldn't be. Yeah. It's, it's, the it's hard thing something. for me about Babcock is that that's the most recent job he had. It's not the same as you know, for example, a hey, you know, like Mark Crawford. This was in the past. I've changed since then. Let me prove it. Chicago put him on leave and really investigated and said, okay, you've done some things in the past that are regrettable and are not part acceptable in today's society, but this is not you now. Yeah. The Babcock thing, again, he is a highly uh, sought-after coach as far as uh, a lot of people think he's an incredible hockey mind, but this is his most recent job. I mean, I don't know, I, but but someone is going to give him a chance. Of course, I yeah. So I, I, I don't I, know I, if it's going to be I, Dallas though. And so this kind of just to give Brian credit. Brian asked, "Do you think the delay of possible admission to the playoffs will affect the Stars' coaching situation?" So just Brian, we saw your question. Yes, hi Brian. Kind of Thank touched. you for it. Same same um, idea. Yeah. So um, I mean, the other the other question too becomes just the other internal option right now. If you're looking, at, if it's not Rick Bonus, is 
do the stars look at? Because Derek Laxell was the other person who interviewed for the head coaching job that Jim Montgomery received. They've got three um, other options in house. So, yeah, but I, I think if you're looking at who actually would get the job, you I don't think, think John would, Stevens would be in that mix. I think he's in the mix, but I also think that if Jim Nill is kind of making like I, I like I know John Steve when, when the game that. Uh, that Bones Rick Bonus was sick, was sick. Right. and John Stevens technically ran the bench. Uh, Derek Laxtell was Derek Laxtell was still just a regular assistant on the bench. I do th- I do wonder if Derek Laxtell had been around all year and not just promoted in December, hmm. if he would have been the one running the bench that game. Well, I guess uh, the argument, Sean, would be that Laxtell's a different style and perspective that br- was brought in after the coaching change. Uh, with mm-hmm. Montgomery, Montgomery brought Stevens in because he was a good friend. Obviously, he's worked yeah. uh, tons of NHL head coaching experience. He's certainly qualified, and I think John Stevens is a really smart hockey mind, and I love talking to him when I get the opportunity. But if he, if Neil wants to go in a different direction, I, I think Stevens still fits a little bit. He Bones Montgomery have all sort of a similar philosophy. Yeah. Laxo might be the one outlier, right? Even Todd Nelson came in with certain, you know, yeah. hey, you're hired by Monty. If he wants to go a different way from in-house, Laxtell's the one different guy. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I don't think, like, for example, I don't think the coach is John Stevens if Rick Bonus. Like, I, 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 if it's between Rick Bonus and John Stevens, I think it's still Rick Bonus. Interesting. Just for, like, yeah. But I think if it's between Rick Bonus and Derek Laxtell, maybe it's Derek Laxtell. Just, just a thought. Um what do you think? Last question. I'll, I'll one. I know we should move on, but one more follow up on it would be: yeah. Do you think there's a scenario where Bones stays on the staff, going back to running the defense as an assistant and the penalty kill, and elevating a guy like Laxo and saying, "Hey, we're gonna have Stevens here. We're gonna have you run the forwards. We're gonna have Bones do the D. Lax, you're gonna be in charge." Yeah, could they do that? Would you know? I could see that. I, I actually could see that because this is not. This is not the typical situation of a guy you hired as a head coach taking the ego check and moving back. This is someone who, when you hired him, obviously you right. both and you reworked the contract and everything like that. The word interim, you understand what the word interim means. Right. So, all right. Um, next question I think we got from Dylan, right? Yep, that's where I'm at. Boy, we've so, got the same list. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about how the Stars were inches away from beating St. Louis in Game 7 on Ben's wraparound, but don't talk about how lucky we were to score the goal we did off the ref skate to the slot, still off the post. If the Stars lose one nothing that game, how is last season different? I don't I don't think if they lose that game in regulation, it's any different. I think, honestly, it's I think it's the exact same offseason, frankly. It's the Stars lose one nothing, or they lose by one goal in overtime, the only difference, there's no difference at all. It's, no, they go, they go into they go into the off season with the exact same plan, the exact same shopping list. They still try and get Joe Pavelski. They, yeah, they, I mean, so it's like I think that there is something to be said about losing in double overtime of Game Seven versus just losing in Game Seven because yeah, it shows that they're that much closer, right? Losing in Game Seven to the Blues is something they had done before, albeit it wasn't a, much of a contest, and it was in Dallas back in twenty. 20- uh, 2016. Yeah. Uh, but this one was, Hey, there's a wraparound that almost goes in. Zuccarello got cleared out. That should have been a power play that they didn't get called. They had some opportunities. Look, Ben Bishop was the maestro of that game. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe that's a game we have to revisit at some point because, um, I don't think the stars were the better team. I thought they had the best goaltender, but they had a chance to win that hockey game. Yeah. Let's go to Galapagos. Okay. 
hope to see the Quarcast become a regular thing. If the worst case scenario happens and the playoffs don't happen, what will be the lasting legacy of the 2019-2020 Dallas Stars? Um, I, I think the, the the first memory lots of people will think back to will be the Winter Classic. Just I think that's one thing is lots of people will remember that. Yep. And then and then obviously um, the other thing too will just this this season will never be forgotten as the season Jim Montgomery suddenly lost his job. Like that is going to be that's going to be with a lasting legacy, and it's going to be a legacy that's going to come up in the future because at some point Jim Montgomery is going to. Either whether it's in the NHL or back in college, he's going to try and get back into coaching at some point. And wherever that is, and for whether that's next year, three years, four years, whatever that is, it's going to be linked back to what happened in Dallas. So of I course. think that's kind of I think that's the lasting legacy. The other thing for me is just the the turnaround, right? Going yeah. from a start that was so bad that we all thought that their season was basically cooked before it even got going, and then to rattle off a massive turnaround in November and December and January to the point where they were becoming a top 10 team in the league after what they, I mean, they were almost left for dead in October. We've talked about this at length today, but this, and that, I think if they don't get any more games and that leaves a, a big question mark, Sean, of a lasting mark of what could have been because it was, you know, they've added a lot of experience in this group. Pavelski, Perry, Sekera, last year, of course, getting more guys in that have, you know, bringing in Anton Hudobin, what Blake Como has brought to this group. That, you just want to see what they could do in the playoffs with a full complement, right? You had Zuccarello last year, but, you know, Hintz hadn't really quite made his mark yet. Gurionov definitely hadn't. So... To me, uh, an incomplete season would leave a lot of question marks in my lasting impression. Yeah. Um, okay, from Aaron, we've got the next question here. Um, How is Gallardi doing with the COVID-19 outbreak? Any long-term influence on the Stars organization based off the massive hit hospitality and, re- hospitality and restaurants are taking at the moment? Um, so I've d- I exchanged some texts with a couple people the other day about this in the Stars organization. So as of right now, the only measure the Stars have taken – is uh, Jim Nill and Jim Lights have taken voluntary 50% pay cuts to help keep everyone to help. And and as far as all other employees go, it's kind of status quo for the moment. And as um, a Dallas Stars employee, they should be absolutely applauded to help out all the people making a lot less money than they are. And look, I don't have anything against them making a large sum of money. They've uh, ascended to the tops of their fields. Good for them. But incredibly selfless act to try to help keep the employees who really need the paychecks right now. Yeah. And right now, I mean, as far as Gallardi, the one impact is, uh, I know Cam Loops has the, he owns the WHL team, the Cam Loops Blazers, and they have had some, uh, there's been some cuts there down at that level. Um, obviously he's taking a hit right now with the hospital, with the hotel and the hotel business. Um, I mean, right now the biggest, there's, there could be some short-term uh, impact at some point soon. Uh, who knows how things are going to work? I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know right. how his decisions are made. However, I do think one thing I want to be clear on, just because somebody asked me about this, and just to make, I'll make this clear before we move on to the next question. Long-term, this is not going to impact Tom Gillardi's dedication to the Dallas Stars. Uh, he recently bought those two plots of lands right around the AAC. He plans to build a signature hotel right next to the building. He wants to expand the arena. Um, 
even if there is, even though his pockets are going to take a hit right now, there is no long-term issue of this being something that could lead to the Stars' owner selling the team or something no. that drastic. And frankly, uh, you you kind of talked about that in your article that you were talking uh, describing this development, and I think yeah. you even said it in one of our car casts was that. Well, in the long term, buying the Dallas Stars and seeing the team's value rise is a good investment for, you know, if he ever wanted to sell the franchise because he'll make money then. He's not really making money on the Stars, but it's what the Stars are allowing him to do then in the other aspects of his business empire and developing and building that is where he can really profit from. Is that what you, that, that yeah, that's, a yeah, fair that's, summary? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, that's fair. So. All right, um, Christian, we kind of already touched on this, but thank you for your question. Um, he asked just about what would happen if the playoffs, how would it, if the playoffs are played late, how would it impact the start of next season? Yeah, we talked so, about that at length, but thanks, Christian. So, um, Alex, Alex asks, have either of you gotten around to watching Tiger King yet? If the answer is no, please start it immediately after you finish recording. So, I'll tell you this, Sean. I was actually, speaking of internet connections, I was actually going to start Tiger King with my wife last night, and... I could not get Netflix to load on our Roku on our main TV. Ah. So after waiting about 60 seconds with a black screen and Netflix not popping up, I thought, well, let's see if our internet's, if it's our problem or if it's Netflix. So I switched to our HBO stream, popped up immediately. So we started Westworld instead. Ah. And it was I good. Have... It was, I'm really. If, Don't say if, anything. I, I'm still behind. On okay. Westworld. So I've I've obviously been a Westworld world fan. I thought season one was better than season two, but I still enjoyed season two. Some people hated it. I liked it, but the first episode of season three is a new twist. I'm not going to say anything else. No, I, I have season seen episode one of season three. I That's, haven't seen episode two or three yet. I haven't either. So I just okay. watched episode okay. one of season three last night. Yes. Okay. And I'm really interested. I, I'm sorry for Aaron Paul. I keep calling him Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm really interested to see how he, where they're going to go from it, because it, uh, the first episode was really a setup of yeah. the new season. Correct. Speaking it's, it's, of TV shows, Sean, I've watched the first two episodes of the se- third season of Brockmire, which have just come out uh, last week and this week. The first one was great. The second one was actually eh, and it's because it was all you could tell they had to do it to connect it to what they're going to do next. But it wasn't particularly like thrilling, so I can't wait for episode three next week. But episode two is sort of like, eh, okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah, I have not uh, because of as we mentioned earlier, we opened this where I've been kind of watching Evie all day. I haven't been able to catch up on much TV. I've seen lots of Disney movies. You and me um, both. So yeah. everybody's saying like we're all watching everything. Yeah, I'm still only watching stuff basically at night because I'm homeschool yeah. teacher and dad and yeah, yeah. I, I haven't watched much. I mean, like the only thing is like I finished make, we finished McMillions this week. We finished really that uh, uh, the beginning of this week, maybe. Yeah, like that's when I, I finished that. Other than that, like I've been watching. We've been watching TV. I've been when when work has been. Uh, I've been able to get some work done while Evie naps, but really I've been doing some finishing touching on writing after after Christina gets off work and after Evie goes to bed. And then yesterday, and then also I've been working on getting the yard all kind of cleaned up. So I haven't watched much TV. <laughs> I know. It, and it, the problem is, is, and I've heard a couple of guys on the ticket talk about this too, some of the things that I would want to catch up on if I have time during the day, which I do have some, 
is not the kind of material that's appropriate for an eight and a 10 year old to be watching in the next room or even stroll by. We're not yeah. watching Westworld while the kids are up. So, yeah. and so. then, it, you know, it's at night. I'm trying not to stay up till 2 a.m., although I've done a bad job of that at some time. So yeah. here we are. So thanks, Alex. We'll get to Tiger King soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Let's see what's next. We've got uh, from, where are we at? Aaron uh, asks, any idea why Groobs plays Enya during instant replay reviews? In my opinion, there's no wrong time for a little Enya. That said, it is still puzzling. How will you be filling time now without strange smells and traffic talk? Thanks for bringing this back, boys. Um, Well, we talked a little bit about how we were filling time uh, personally, but Groobs has a, a bit with Enya that work. It's it works really well with that, and I think he wants to keep that bit going. So um, there is a wrong time for Enya because you have to read your audience. I like I'm not saying Enya is bad or anything. I'm just saying that you can't just play Enya music for all. Sur- it's not a goal song, so you have to have the yeah. right timing. It works great. I don't think anybody else in the NHL plays Enya during official reviews. If they do, forgive me, but I think it's awesome. Yeah, I know it's a good it's it's a good bit. It's it's a much it's there are some bad bits out not by groups just in general. There in the world there are bad bits. It's a good bit. Yes. Um, bring back hockey, send in. If you had to pick your top five movies to watch in quarantine, what would they be? Sean, we do not have time for that. No, we right don't. now. I'm not saying to not watch five movies, but it's already we're we're this has been longer than any show we've done so far. Yeah, yeah. So maybe something for a segment for another time. Mm-hmm. And we're at the twenty hour ago mark, so I don't even know we're 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 thirty minutes into the lightning round. Should we take a couple more and call it? I let's take let's we have to do at more. least two more because we have one from Raphael from Switzerland and one from the botched pronunciation of one of our regulars that sets it straight. Let's do okay. Let's do those two. Okay, and then we'll uh, we'll apologize no. to all the others that aren't going to yeah. get to them. All right, Raphael, our Swiss fan. Uh, Hi, guys. Hope you're both doing okay as well as your loved ones. Thank you. I read Sean's latest articles in The Athletic. Keep them coming. So I take it you still get to work as normally as possible. Owen is a Stars employee. What's your job situation during this forced hiatus, right? So um, we are working on doing a broadcast roundtable remotely. We've been sort of beta testing some of the technology, and we're going to do another one this afternoon to try to get the internet connections and streams as strong as we can. But Sean, I don't think your job is as normal. Would you say? Well, as normally as possible, I guess is the right, but it's not normal. It's 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 not, it's not, it's not normal. It's, it's figuring things out. I mean, the good thing is I'm very thankful just to be, I'm very thankful. I'm at a company that right away when this kind of all happened as a company, the athletic internally, we had, big meeting with uh we had a big meeting that was with our with our ceo and everything like that it was like hey we're standing by you guys we're not we're not we're not uh we're we're gonna we're gonna fight through this with everyone so um i think we uh it's, it's weird but we're getting through it and i i still get to write a little bit and uh obviously not writing as much as we would when there was games and everything like that but it's kind of uh figuring some stuff out I don't know about you, but I'm getting hungry for lunch. Yep, I am too. <laughs> All right, so I'm our too. last one. I want you to do this one first, Sean, because you're. Uh, I always make fun of your pronunciations, and we've been botching this guy for months now. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> since we <laughs> so we've all this time, I figured I'd make my pronouncing my Twitter handle easier. It's Hula Zeta Z, nickname plus some fret reference. Right, because we've you been calling can... him Hula Zetaxi. Yes. <laughs> so instead of Hula Zetaxi, we could just call him Will. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Will. Maybe put and... Will in parentheses or something after Hula Zetaxi, so we know yeah. it's Will. <laughs> I hope I hope Will's friends call him Hula's a taxi at like at social. Oh my gatherings. god! Like, <laughs> hey, do you hear the carcast botch your Twitter handle every week? Yeah. Well, Will, thank you for. Uh, By the way, Sean, he says when help. all this clears up, he'd love to have, uh, love for us to have a carcast meetup. I, hey, why not? In a big car, like a just a. Boy, uh, <laughs> maybe at an ice cream stand. We yeah. all, you know, like drive yeah. in and get ice cream. Yeah, maybe. All right. Food truck. Food truck. Food. There. It always has to be food with us. Um, and by the way, so many of our regulars didn't get into this. Um, I appreciate you guys sending out your car questions. Um, there's even some references about Sean wearing a schoolboy outfit again. Uh, Court always likes to ask about food, so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and even, Sean, a kilt reference. So there you have it. There you go. That is uh, episode one of the Quarcast. Any final thoughts? We 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 need to be better. We we program. We need to be better programming next time. My goodness, I think we need to hire a producer to keep us on time because this is going to be a two-hour debacle, <laughs> and we're gonna have to put this all together and then post it. So get wait for post-production up next. But um, no. But on a serious note, everybody, I hope you're keep staying sane. Please listen to everybody that has been talking about social distancing, especially the medical and science experts that actually know what they're talking about. Uh, because we don't, I'm a former scientist with no experience in the health and pandemic trade. So don't listen to me about it. But, uh, you know, Sean and I are doing this remotely. We wish we could get in a car and drive somewhere, but that would be violating some of these distancing things. Help everybody else out. If you have any methods of making masks for healthcare workers, do it. But that would be my final thought. Yeah, um, just uh, we appreciate kind of that there was enough interest from people to uh, even when I tweeted that this might be a possibility. Kind <laughs> of that there were some people that were that interested in this. So appreciate that, and uh, everyone uh, stay safe, stay indoors, uh, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>